This is the Life at Work Conference podcast, an initiative of City Bible Forum. Hi, I'm Andrew Laird, host of the Life at Work Conference podcast, where we meet real workers wrestling with real workplace issues. Today, from working in a menswear store in South Auckland to running six companies over 20 years, the story of one man and how his faith has shaped his work. And then I heard later the conversation that these two had had and... Um, he said, oh, you, you need to know something. He's a Christian. He said, oh, I thought I saw something. There was kind of a bit of weird stuff in the background there. And um, and uh, he said, yeah, yeah it's, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, what it means is um, he'll do what he said he's going to do, and he genuinely cares and wants you su- to succeed. My guest today is leadership advisor Mark Bilton. I'm Andrew Laird, and this is the Life at Work Conference podcast. Well, Mark Bilton has had a diverse and exciting business career, one which has been profoundly shaped by his Christian faith. But it hasn't always been that way. Uh, Growing up in a non-Christian home, starting his working life in sales in a really rough part of South Auckland. How has God played a role in his work life to bring him to where he is today, encouraging Christians to deeply integrate their faith with their work, as well as running a company training the next generation of leaders. So to explore all of that and much, much more, welcome to the podcast, Mark Bilton. Hey, Andrew. Good to see you. Mark, it's wonderful to chat with you and to uh, hear something of your story, the journey that God has taken you on, and uh, and then what you are doing in particular today. But let's just go back to those early days in New Zealand. You live in Australia now and have for a number of years, but you did a, a lot of your growing up across the Tasman. So tell us about home life for you as a child, the area that you grew up in, and uh, how you ended up in your first job. Sure. Well, I was actually born in the UK. So, uh, yeah, born in the UK, raised in New Zealand, but an Australian by choice. Um, <laughs> so, moved here about uh, 15, 16 years ago. But, yeah, spent a, a good deal of my uh, growing years, uh, certainly mid, late teens, through to um, through to up to about 15, 16 years ago uh, in New Zealand. Um, lived in South Auckland. So, was raised uh, in a military family. So, my dad was in the British Army and then moved to New Zealand, joined the New Zealand Army. Uh, I had three brothers. Um, and and um, my mother was a, a midwife, and um, it was a um, moderately dysfunctional upbringing. I probably is the polite way to say it. Like it was, uh, we went raised, okay. we went raised in a Christian environment, went a particularly loving family. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a brutal, uh, brutal upbringing. Um, uh, you know, better than better than a lot, but um, not as good as, as as others. So it was, it was a not mm. an easy time for a child being raised in in that family, um, and probably a product of generational, you know, generational influence. You know, my father was very much a, a um, product of how he was raised, and and uh, you know, passed passed that through. Mm. Mm. And so, given that sort of upbringing, were there particular passions or interests that you had that you sort of thought after school, I'd love to study in this area, uh, go into that line of work? Um, not, not really. I was sort of pretty of an angry young man, so living a fairly dysfunctional uh, uh, life. And um, okay, yeah, you look. You asked about my first my first role uh, was within a menswear in a menswear store, and that was quite a bit of an escape. Actually, it was good to to go there. Some good good guys there, and met some. Um, great people we used to sort of play hard party hard and uh, and work hard yeah um and uh, stayed in that menswear store right the way through actually from school that left home 
home pretty much as soon as I could then through university and even after university stayed in that menswear store so always had a bit of a passion for fashion um and a, a mm. good, <laughs> there was a good fun crew there yeah yeah and so obviously there wasn't some clear sitting down and thinking about my future and this is this is where I want to go it's almost a what can I do to escape from from the other areas of life and this is a this is a good spot for me to be but obviously uh, you are a Christian person now so tell us tell us in light of that background and that upbringing how did you come to Christian faith uh, very reluctantly, Andrew. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't a lot of thinking going on, um, uh, but ended up at, ended up at university, uh, leading this sort of fairly self-destructive lifestyle. As I said, kind of angry young man, mm. um, and kind of looking for love and acceptance in in areas that uh, are not that productive. And then at the university, mm. I started meeting Christians, and they were everywhere i couldn't couldn't cross the quad at the university couldn't go to a party my girlfriend became a christian it all got uh, out of control and um you feel like you're being circled at that point it, feels, I just, it sounds like i was being hounded uh, absolutely hammered it was you yeah know, it, it, uh, i remember walking down queen street in in auckland one day and this little maori guy was on the other side of the road and it just caught his eye and and he he runs across the road and sticks his finger in my face and says you know jesus loves you mate and i'm just going what is what is going on um <laughs> it, it, it was just wild um uh, and and i and i did not respond well to the gospel um and uh sort of bit back a bit so if you ever if you're ever sharing jesus with people and they they start getting a bit frothy at you it's probably a good sign um okay so uh <laughs> look i i had about two years of this constant um encounter with people who'd had this these life transforming experiences and i really didn't want to know but um as i got more and more self-destructive and, and got to the stage where i was uh, thinking about checking out um uh, one mm. night i was at home and uh, again sort of contemplating whether i needed, wanted to be alive and um mm. these messages kept coming back into me into my head about this jesus that i didn't know this god that apparently loved me and um it something resonated and i i uh, made a choice that night i i said well lord you know if you can do something with my life then um let's do that so i i gave my life to the lord and it um it wasn't all bells and whistles and uh, it certainly wasn't mm. it hadn't stepped inside a church at this point um and, and so had this um overwhelming sense of uh peace and love and began to discover uh, a loving a loving he heavenly father and uh started that journey of of endeavoring to to follow jesus and uh, and build a relationship with him and understand who he who he is and uh, what he wanted from my life mm, mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that mark i mean obviously such a transformative experience for you that coming to faith and as you say beginning to 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 build a life of living with jesus as uh, as your lord I want to think particularly about living with Jesus as your Lord when it comes to your work. Um, were, were there any significant changes initially to how you approached your work because of this uh, newfound faith? 
Um, probably not initially. I mean, I mean, it's it was. Uh, I guess two things come to mind. First of all, you know, not being raised in the church, I didn't realise you were meant to separate all those things, and that God's interested in some things and not in others. So I assumed that if I give my life to Him, that meant everything, like you know, work, career, mm. life. You know, it wasn't only my saviour, it was my Lord. It's like, like, what are we doing today? Where are we going? What, like, what? How does this whole thing work? Um, and that, but as I went down that sort of discovery path. Um, um, it, for me, it was just an all-in. So everything was everything was on the table. I mm. gave my whole life to him. You know, relationships, um, who, would, who I'd spend time with, my work. Um, there wasn't church at that point, uh, but so it was just a, a sort of one-on-one um, uh, with him. But as I as I met, started meeting Christians and started um, getting plugged into church and 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 uh, meeting other other people who had had a similar experience. Uh, I did actually bump into a lot of people who kind of were a little confused about whether work came under the God is interested category or not, mm. um, which sort mm. of surprised me a little bit. I assumed that, uh, you know, if you gave your life to the Lord, then the work piece was, was an important part of that. Um, mm. But so it, it grew over time, I think, is probably the better way to, it wasn't certainly an instant kind of revelation. Mm, mm. But it sounds as though you certainly, at the outset, it just made sense for you that your Christian faith uh, integrated with and connected with your your Christian faith. And it wasn't really until others perhaps questioned that that you began to think otherwise. As you say there, it has grown and developed over time. So so what was significant in, in uh, that growth in understanding of how your, your faith would integrate with your work? Well, it was never it was never a question for me. I think that's probably the, mm. the the way to look at it. So I didn't sort of discover it. It was just it was it wasn't excluded um, on the basis of a of a any kind of Christian Christian perspective. Um, you know, met Jesus. He was Lord. So um, uh, where and what he, where and what he wanted me to do as far as uh, work was concerned was was always going to be a part of that. So, you know, I, I believe that every mm. every believer is in full time ministry, regardless of what we're doing. Mm. Um, a few of us are called, very small few, are called to work in the institution, mm. in the institution, in the church itself, in its various guises. Um, and uh, but most of us are in other kinds of other kinds of work. But uh, but I think those callings are no less no less sacred. So if you're a plumber, um, God's calling you to be a plumber. That's where He's placed you. Then um, you're you're God's plumber, and that's as as sacred a calling as the um, the archbishop. Mm, mm, I love that, and we'll come to that idea of of calling and uh, some of the work that you do these days in just a moment. But look, let's fast forward a few years. You started out in that menswear store, but you you have moved into a number of uh, managing director roles, um, perhaps most well known as uh, the group managing director of Gloria Jean's Coffees for a period of time. So how did God lead this guy with that, um, that difficult, challenging upbringing, angry young teenager, starting out in a menswear store into these kind of roles of leadership well you don't you don't go from the rough parts of south auckland um working in a, as, a, as a shop assistant at a menswear store with a zoology degree and uh and, <laughs> and, and end up running multinational companies without any significant amount of divine intervention so you know i, I have been able to do what i've been able to do because of the doors that he's opened and uh so i came up through the sales and marketing site so i was a uh, Sales, sales rep for a gene company and then a sales agent for a textile a textile business then a sales manager GM small business that turned around I kind of got into the leadership side there went back to university did 
MBAs and things. So actually, um, while I was doing what I was doing, I was learning how I should be doing it. Um, but hmm. he opened a, he opened a number of distinctive doors that uh, moved me into areas of um, areas of of leadership, and then for my sins, put me in charge of Gloria Jeans for a while. Um, <laughs> It was uh, it was it was a tough tough kick. I was there for a very short period of time, really, just for a couple of years. But there to do the turnaround. Most of the my my background, my leadership background, has been in transformational change and bringing a lot of change to organisations that are sort of fundamentally broken. So I've usually got the mystery impossible right. things. Um, and that and that business at that time um, was was really uh, really struggling in all sorts of troubles. So two years there to to do the turnaround um, and uh, uh, and then. You know, shortly after I left, the the business um, business sold. Mm, mm. You you mentioned there that idea of of learning on the job, really, uh, in in those positions of leadership. So it's a personal question in some ways, but in those uh, in those early years where you were, found yourself in in leadership roles, what were some of the inevitable mistakes that you made? But how did you handle them? How did your Christian faith help you handle them? And and what sort of things did you learn from them? Never made a mistake, Andrew. Um, it was all it went, <laughs> I was it very, presu- perfectly very well presumptuous of me, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to presume, but uh, <laughs> assuming for a moment that maybe there were a few little missteps along the way, might have been, might have been one or two on the journey. Um, <laughs> look, I, I uh, a few, a sort of few, there's quite a few things come to mind. Um, mm. I, look, one of the things I, I'm a bit impatient, so I, I really like to get things done in a hurry. Um, my, you know, my Gallup Strength Finder says that strategic and competitive are my two top um, two top strengths. So, uh, you know, it's good when you're running a big company, and not so good when you're paying a 12 year old at Monopoly. Um, so, I have to learn. <laughs> learn to constrain my enthusiasm um, and my competitive nature sometimes um, and I had to do that I think particularly in, in leadership um, where I just want to move I just want to move fast and um, uh, learned over the years that if you want to be successful you probably want to take one or two people with you uh, you can charge over the nearest hill and there's a great sound of people circling wagons behind you um, so t- taking people taking people you know I made that mistake on and off um, a few times just want to move too fast a mm. uh, bit impatient um, and I just need to take the time um, gather the troops lots of transparency lots of engagement and um, and, uh, and and make sure that we're all, all heading in the same direction take the time to do that so that, mm. that's probably and mm. the other thing the other thing I think is um, I've had a, a a healthy disrespect for authority that's probably not that healthy um, <laughs> so often I've been able to um, uh, really galvanise a team and get it going in the right direction, um, but forgotten about you know shareholders and boards and and those things. So I've had to learn over the years to be a bit more <laughs> diplomatic and engaging at that level. Sure, sure. We'll read between the lines there. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, Mark, you mentioned there needing to learn to uh, be transparent and engage with people and take people with you. Uh, I'm thinking about one of your leadership roles, where uh, Gloria Jeans. You know, it's a massive organisation. I think at the time, you know, what, something like 800 stores in 40 countries. Um, who knows how many em- employees? You can probably tell me. How how does your faith shape the way you lead in that instance, where it is such a 
such a big organisation and you're wanting to take people with you, engage with people, but, but presumably you, you cannot have one-on-one conversations with, with everyone, but you want to have uh, uh, an impact that which really reaches into uh, positively the lives of everyone who is employed there. How do you go about uh, navigating that as a Christian? Um, again, I don't. I don't tend to separate those things, but I, I think at the the fundamental mm. core of Christianity is um, you know treating others as you want to be treated. Uh, we we sometimes a bit glib about that. I mean, certainly it was a revolution when uh, Jesus um, started doing that and broke down, uh, broke down uh, you know gender, race, um, uh, social standing, and you know, he broke a lot of those those constructs. But at the core of that, I think, was mm. honouring and respecting every individual uh, as you would like to be treated yourself. And um, so that that's my approach. So whether you're um, chairman of the board or whether you're working in the warehouse, as far as I'm concerned, um, you get the same amount of um, respect and honour and, uh, and and dignity. And I and I found that that is not uh, that common. And, and so that tends to mm. engender a level of um, loyalty and commitment and engagement. Um, it, Glory Jeans was uh, big and big and broken. So lots of complexity, lots of layers of, mm. uh, of, of, of complexity and lots of things going wrong. So um, taking the time to open that up to all stakeholders so everybody realised exactly what the issues were. So we spent some time really getting very transparent around what the core, core uh, problems were. Um, um, articulating the, st- the strategy in a very simple, very simple way. We literally had a one-page strategy once that was built. We had a one-page strategy that was communicated to all stakeholders. So whether you were the team, banks, um, franchise partners, etc., um, we, we went we went out with one strategy. Um, so there was lots of connection, lots of communication, lots of transparency, and very authentic. Like you know, I'm I'm the new guy. Um, I don't know this. I don't know that. Tell me about that. Like, what's the issue here? I actually jumped on a plane and went and visited 400 franchise partners uh which was a riot i mean they they, mm. they were they were uh, quite rightly uh not in a good um got not a good state of mind um and so understanding them as the most important stakeholders in the organization um where they were at uh, what the issues were and how we could start moving forward from there became a key part of these strategic platform so within 18 months we, we increased the average franchise partners profitability by 25 percent sales were going back at five percent got they're going forward at five percent mainly off the back of not only new programs but a you know a big chunk of those franchise partners who um you know engage engaged with us and helped build some of the solutions uh, so mm. it look um, high degrees of, of communication, authenticity, transparency. You know, treating people with respect, taking the time to 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 listen. Hard to do on scale, mm. um, uh, but but can can be done. Mm, mm. Yeah, you as I, as you were speaking there, I was thinking, what, what does that look like in practice? But that example that you give there of visiting four hundred franchisees, I mean, that um, that inevitably would come at some sort of personal cost to yourself, not least your not least your time, but it would do what I guess you're describing there in terms of seeking to listen, but also demonstrate that that everyone in the organisation is is valued, a person made in the image of God. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we might have different roles and responsibilities due to, you know, skill sets and they might be rarer and maybe rewarded more. Um, uh, but the, the value is, is the value is the same. We're all created in the image of God. 
Mm-hmm. Mark, I think I know how you're probably going to, to answer this next one or, or some of the ways that you might answer it, given what you said before about just never having seen that distinction between your Christian faith and your work. But how have you sought to be real and honest about the, the faith that you have uh, in the various roles that you've had throughout your, your working career? Nail, nail your colours to the wall, so to speak. Mm. Um, with your colleagues, with your employees, and, and and share something of that with them. Yeah, look, I think um, it, it's it's important to realise that most of the people that we bump into uh, during our working day, uh, for the vast majority of us, um, won't walk into a church. So we're the only we're the only opportunity they get to see here. Um, and experience the, the, the kingdom of God, um, mm. and um, you know we represent we represent a kingdom. So I think you know if you turn up to your um, your morning tea with your four kilo Bible, um, it's not going to go well. You're probably going to end up in front of HR, and it's not going to be that effective. So you know we need to kind of rethink how we do that. F- firstly, mm. if you believe God has placed you in your workplace, um, there's things that he wants you to do there. So there's a whole bunch of commercial, operational mm. kind of things, because he's funnily enough interested in those, which can be a bit surprising. Uh, but he's also uh, you know, wanting us to connect and engage with those around us in a way that honor, honors him. So in the organization, are we the... Um, are we the issue or are we the ones that solve the problem? Either we, either we ones that gossip or are we ones that yeah, just join in the culture and, and uh, really provide some of the solutions? You know, are we the um, the first to arrive or the first to leave? Like, you know, there's there's a level of people watch us, they, they see us, and there is a big chunk of our witness that is not, not spoken. Um, but we do have to speak, I think, you know, we do have to share the gospel, we do have to tell people about Jesus. Um, but I take great comfort in the fact that uh, God is more interested in that than I am, and he will provide me the opportunities if I'm listening, convicts people of the, of the truth, and we just need to be mindful and, and hearing from him every day. Mm, I love the way you put that, Mark. That's um, that's lovely. Look, Mark, you it's been wonderful, the, the, the stories that you've been sharing so far from your own experience, your wisdom as well too. But when we come back, what I want to do is explore some of the work that you do today, both uh, in leadership development and encouraging Christians in their life and in their witness in the workplace. So more of that with Mark in just a moment. Loving this podcast? Then don't miss the next Life at Work conference. Saturday, February 18th, 2023. Wherever you are around Australia or the world, join us as we consider the future of work, how to love your colleagues and share Jesus in an ever-changing landscape. You can watch alone, host a watch party, or join others at a local hub. Tickets are on sale now at citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference. Well, welcome back. Uh, Mark, we're going to come to your two main areas of work in just a moment. But before we do, uh, a little bit of trivia about how I first encountered you and your work. It was, uh, it was a few years ago now, back in 2013, and I was, I was sitting beside a pool on holidays on the New South Wales Mid-North Coast. And I had taken on holidays with me this, uh, this great little book called Monday Matters by a certain Mark Bilton. Um, I like to spend my holidays reading about work. That's just the kind of guy that I, that I am. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about this book that you wrote and, and, and why you wrote it. That's that's great, Andrew. You're one of three of three one of three people who read that book, so that's uh, that's a great <laughs> great encouragement to me. Well, maybe a few maybe a few more might read it now that we've uh, we've given it a mention. But tell us more about it. Yeah, look, it was um, um, 
uh, I, I kept getting asked by people about, you know, you talk about faith and work and this sort of integrated mindset that, that you have. Can you tell us a bit more about it? So I started a few emails and, uh, and that kind of grew. And, and so there's all this momentum on and a lot of people wanted to know about, about it. And I thought I should probably, rather than just putting out random thoughts, really start to think about um, uh, how do we engage at work in a, in a bit more of a holistic kind of manner. So just kind of think it through a bit. And my theological training is non-existent, so it's really out of my life experience. So it, it, it's kind of, <laughs> it's probably full of her heresies, but that I can live with that. That's fine. Um, but some, a lot of people seem to get something out of it, which is very, very encouraging. Um, so, and I was actually going through a reasonably difficult time. So I had, I had finished a role, GFC had hit, mm. it wasn't a pleasant time for me. And I was kind of wrestling with my own theology and experience with God at the time. It's been quite challenged. Uh, mm. So there's a bit of cathartic um, trying to drill down into my own experience and theology around around work because things hadn't gone quite in the way that I expected as often, often occurs in life. Um, so this was partly for me. Um, and partly for for, mm. for others, but it brought it down to a, a nice, succinct, hey, if you're interested in, in this idea that God might be interested in your work, uh, how does that how does that actually practically play out? Mm. Mm. And I think um, I, I think uh, I certainly my recollection of it is uh, is not heresy, but but rather that um, that uh, that practical wisdom that you've been already sharing with us, and I think that's what I found so valuable about it. That uh, uh, in the sweep sweep of literature about uh, Christians in the workplace, uh, the just the the practical wisdom and the everyday experience that you had that uh, that I could seek to try and glean wisdom from for myself. Uh, and really, that uh, segues what you've shared just there very nicely into what I want to talk about next. Uh, and that is a, an organisation that you formed in 2009, I guess around that GFC period that you alluded to there, called Call to Business. And you've used that expression of God calling us to certain roles, calling us to be a plumber already in this uh, podcast. And uh, that organisation, I'll quote your website here, aims to encourage and equip Christians to be effective at work. So tell us, Mike, what do you think effectiveness looks like for a Christian in the workplace? Uh, firstly, I think just recognising that God's interested in what we do every day. Um, it it mm. sounds like such a simple thing, but we don't tend to think about God on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, and it's a bit of a revelation. Uh, but I think in its, in its fullest form, it's about exercising our gifts. It's about serving those around us, um, growing in our walk with him. Um, I don't know about you, but you might have found work challenging from time to time. We kind of get parked, oh, parked occasionally. Next, <laughs> parked next to some interesting people. So there's, a, there's an element of understanding God uses work to help us, shape us, grow us as well as provide for us. Mm. Um, um, it's learning. I think it's about learning to be connected to God, hearing from Him in the workplace, um, which is not talked about often, but it's been a big part of my experience right the way, right the way through. Um, and recognizing that um, you know it's ministry, and we get the same kit bag mm. as a as a missionary or a, a pastor, and some of the more spiritual things we think about, we should expect you know the anointing of God, His favor, that we should pray for those things. We should expect people come to the to come to the Lord in the in the workplace. Um, uh, and his his insights, his wisdom. You know, there's a whole area of creativity and worship. I think that we don't tend to connect with uh, with the workplace. Mm. You mentioned there, Mark, um, hearing from God in the workplace, and that it's something we don't 
actually talk about a lot. Well, talk about it for us for a moment then. Uh, unpack that a little bit more for us. What, what do you mean by that? What does that look like? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big topic. Look, um, I, I, first of all, I think we have to be open to hear. I think God talks to us all the time. Mm. We're just not open to hearing it. Um, he can talk to us in the conversations. Mm. He can talk to us as we have our quiet time. We read something in the scriptures that sort of really comes alive to us. It can be that uh, still quiet mm. voice, that thought in the back of our mind. Like, oh, you know, you have, might have someone on your mind that you haven't thought of for a while. Going, maybe God's saying something, picking up the phone, talking to them. Um, you know, wrestling with that difficult work opportunity and waiting for some inspiration to sort of download from heaven. Mm. Um, you know, the Bible's mm. the Bible is full of. Uh, people hearing from hearing from heaven, and yet uh, it's not talked about. Or if it is talked about, it's kind of kind of a little kind of spooky and a bit weird, and probably in a church. Rather than hang on, if God's asked me to operate in this environment, I I kind of want to know He's mm. there, that He's got something for me to do, and I'm going to need some help. Because if I rely completely on myself, mm. I think I'm in trouble. So, um, you know, I've seen His intervention in numerous ways, and even just sitting in a board meeting. Uh, which I do quite a bit of it these days, but uh, mm. but you know, right the way through sitting in leadership meetings, client meetings, customer suppliers, all those different meetings, sometimes um, they're not going that well. And often just becoming aware of his presence in the midst of that meeting, the, the environment changed, the atmospheres mm. changed, the conversations change. Just inviting him into interviewing someone to give me the insights, Lord, is this the person that you've called to come here and help us do this role? Um, mm. So just that constant walk with, with him during the day, talking with him. Oh, look, I'm glad I asked you that question to unpack that for us a little bit more because that's a, that's a wonderful picture that you, that you paint there. Mark, I want to turn now to uh, some of the other work which uh, fills a lot of your time these days, another business that you founded, this time in uh, 2015, Thought Patrol. Uh, what do you do with Thought Patrol? We mentioned a moment ago about leadership development. Tell us a little, Talk to us a little bit more about that. So, so this takes up the majority of my time now. So I, I work with leaders in various different guises. So I'm a strategist. I have a, an agile strategic planning process. So I've got a whole bunch of clients that I help with their strategic planning. Um, I work with leaders, uh, mainly business owners, sort of 50 to 100 million size business owners, so sort of mid-sized companies, uh, which I quite like that size. I put advisory boards together for companies as well. Um, and also I take groups of business leaders away on um, retreats and um, help them train in a thing called Forum, which is a, a YPO, it's a secular organization, largest leadership organization in the world. So I'm a trainer for them. I've been a member mm. there for about 20 years, but also trained a lot of their um, tra train a lot of their top leaders and take them away on, uh, on retreats to connect connect more deeply with each other, which is kind of an extraordinary privilege to sit at that table and and um, help mm. people connect. Um, so the vast majority are not um, they're not Christian, um, and I like it like that. Like that's this, that's my natural space is mixing it up with the mm. with the um, the commercial the big commercial leaders. Um, it's kind of my 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 patch. Mm -hmm. You mentioned there that a number of the people that you do work with aren't aren't Christians. So vast majority. In what way majority. though? So yeah, one or two Christians. Vast majority yeah. of them. Mm. So in what way then does your faith flow through into the kind of leadership coaching uh, that you bring? Uh, again, don't tend to bring out the Bible uh, during the during the actual sessions because uh, that just frightens people. It frightens people away. But look, I, I think. Um, I don't think about it a lot other than 
it's it's just who, it's just who I am. So my my Christian faith mm. is not a segmented part of who I am or what I do. It's it's a foundational piece. I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus' intervention, I wouldn't be here. Um, mm. So it's a foundational piece. It kind of leaks out uh, on on the advice that I give and the conversations that I have. Um, hopefully, the way that I you know treat and love those or serve those those around me um it's not an overt christian conversation um although i do get the opportunity to to share some of my testimony um and um and shares and share life with um, a whole bunch of of um of business leaders Mm -hmm. can you give any stories or share any examples of times where the kind of coaching and development that you've been providing is it's profoundly shaped by your christian faith and in particular the the leadership uh, example of of jesus where that has been i guess evident to people and has has created opportunities perhaps even to to speak into the 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 primary motivation for how you how you seek to coach and guide people in their leadership development um, I had a, a nice one um, recently where um, I had a prospective client and I said, look, you'll kiss some other clients, just give them a ring and have a chat and see, you know, if it kind of works for you, that's great. Um, and uh, they rang one of my other clients and uh, they talked about, you know, kind of what had gone on and, and what how it all worked. And, and um, this person came on as a client. And then I heard later the conversation that these two had had. And... Um, he said, oh, you, you need to know something. He's a Christian. He said, oh, I thought I saw something. There was a kind of bit of weird stuff in the background there. And, um, <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, yeah it's, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, what it means is um, mm. he'll do what he said he's going to do, and he genuinely cares and wants you su- to succeed. And I thought, wow, okay, that's actually not, that's all right. I don't mind that. I think that's a, that's yeah. a level of engagement. <laughs> um, you know, no one says, let's, let's get the Jesus freak in to teach us a few things. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, but they, mm. you know, they, they share stories. We've had businesses go from 50 to hundred million, open up in new international markets and lots of sort of commercial success. That's what they hire you for. Um, so, mm. you know, being excellent, being excellent at what you do, I think is, is you know it's it's one of our we're told to develop our gifts and get very good at what we uh, of what we of what we do but but when we're i think when we are are being authentic and being true to what who god has created us to do then um you know we get to serve before kings we get to we get to engage in um in a way that we might not might not expect I love that story there, Mark, Them to, talking behind your back about you being a Christian, but in a positive way. Uh, that's, a, that's a lovely story. Look, Mark, you have uh, encouraged us in so many ways already, um, but is there perhaps one final piece of encouragement that you would want to really highlight for the Christian listening to this about their daily work? What would that be? I think the you know the, the key the key revelation in, in I think in my journey around being able to unlock some personal potential in the marketplace has been um, the fact that God's interested in our work and it's it's some, something that people kind of um, may give intellectual assent to mm. or kind of resist as you know the big big evil bad world and we shouldn't be engaged in uh, in, in those things. Um, uh, but I, I only bump into a handful of people who genuinely recognise that he's interested in their work, and mm-hmm. they they move mountains. So um, taking the time to seek the Lord about whether he is genuinely interested or not in what you're doing day to day. You know, I see a lot of Christians who 
have an experience of, of Christ and they want to serve and their immediate thought is, you know, I need to be a priest, a pastor, a missionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have this sort of artificial hierarchy of um, what we think a, a, a sacred calling or serving God looks like. But we're all, we're all anointed and appointed to an assignment. Um, so letting him in and expecting him to see and expecting to see him at work. So inviting him into the workplace, praying about your workplace and the people that are, that are there, um, expecting him to move in your workplace um, and you know, getting that revelation that he he is vitally and intimately interested in everything that you do every day. He's got every hair on your head. Um, every detail is important to him. And we spend more time at work than we, doing, we do doing anything else. So mm-hmm. we give our life to him, then that includes... Uh, and that includes our, our work and our workplace. Mm, mm. Well, thank you, Mark. I love the way that you have encouraged us uh, in this episode to to invite God into all of the the nitty gritty of daily work life and be walking closely with Him, and that that He cares about it, that He is interested in it. There has been lots that you have given us to consider, and lots for us also to act upon, uh, and also be encouraged as well by the the wonderful testimony of God's work uh, in your life uh, generally, but also specifically your work life as well too. So Mark, thank you so much for your time and coming on the podcast. My absolute pleasure, Andrew. Great to great to see you again. Well, look, we have just one episode left in Season 2 of the Life at Work Conference podcast, and uh, it's a curly one that we've saved till last, titled You Can't Do That. We're going to talk to two Christian women who work in industries that some Christians might raise their eyebrows at as we wrestle with questions around, are there jobs Christians can't do? And what happens when my ethics clash with my organisation? Uh, you don't want to miss that episode. But until next time, I'm Andrew Laird, and you've been listening to the Life at Work Conference podcast. The Life at Work Conference podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more and register for the conference, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatworkconference. Enjoyed this podcast? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing and leaving a rating so others can find us too. Join us next time on the Life at Work Conference podcast with Andrew Laird. Andrew Laird.